Are you an enabler? Enabling is such a funny concept because I work with women all over the world who have these huge, big, giving hearts, huge hearts. And more than anything, they want to help their families, their friends, and their children. We don't want to see them hurting. We don't want them to suffer. And yet somehow, we on occasion show up doing more giving more than maybe we should. And when that happens, we feel like we're helping them, but actually we might be limiting them. This week I had the privilege of working with one of my clients on this very topic. And it got me thinking that you may want to hear about this too. I know that in my life that the people I've enabled, not intentionally, are really because my heart really wanted to help, really wanted to serve. And you know, we feel good when we fix other people's problems and we feel good about ourselves when we show up stepping in and, and trying to allevi alleviate the pain and suffering that person's going through. But is it always the right thing? Is it always the best thing? And is there a way to help a person without enabling them in a way that limits their growth and their progress and that keeps you in a place where you are filled up and get your needs met without falling into the trap of I have to be perfect, I have to help everybody, I have to smooth everything out, I've got to be the glue that holds everybody together and I have got to do it perfectly. You see, when we fall into that trap, we become victims of circumstances and that's a space where not only suffering happens physically, mentally, and emotionally, but it's also a place where we become limited because we're exhausted. It's a place where people often walk all over us and take advantage of us because they know we'll show up and do anything for them. And it's a place, well, it just doesn't allow for a thriving, beautiful environment where you can grow and be the best version of yourself and still love and help your people. So today I want to walk you through a few steps that you can do if you feel like you may be an enabler or maybe you're taking advantage of an enabler. Maybe this will help give you a little different perspective. First of all, I like to think about it this way. As an anxiety coach, I have people who come to me every day with problems. I'm also a mother with children who on occasion have problems. I have friends, I have family that sometimes have problems. I have church members that sometimes want to share problems with me. And I love it. I am so thrilled and honored that people will come to me that will share, open up, be vulnerable, and trust me with those problems. But what if I scooped up every one of those problems and I said, no problem, I'll fix it. No problem, let me help. No problem, let me take care of that. And with each one of those people, I scoop up their baggage, scoop up their suffering, scoop up their stresses, 
and I pack them into my backpack and I carry them with me everywhere I go. How heavy does my load get? And then when they show up or then again or the next person shows up, how valuable am I to that person? You see, I'm not going to be showing up giving my best self. I'm going to be run down, tired, exhausted, depleted, and maybe even crabby and irritable. If I carry everyone else's problems and fix them and feel them for them and suffer with them, I'm hurting myself and I'm limiting their progress. Now, I didn't say that we can't be of service or compassionate or help other people. We are going to still do that because we're women with big hearts and that's what we're good at. And we want to do that. We need to do that. We just want to do it in a way that's in, um, empowering for both the giver and the receiver and not enabling. You know, I think the adversary likes us to get caught in enabling traps because the more you've tried to fix other people's problems and carry the suffering and the pain, well, guess what? You become bogged down, weighed down, and you're not functioning and being the best version of you, which means you're going to curl up in bed and watch Netflix or become depressed or get anxious or get sick from the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you're not going to make forward progress. And see, God's plan is all about progress. Happiness equals progress. Progress equals happiness. But if you get caught in the adversary's trap, he's going to hold you down, weigh you down until you're stuck, making no progress at all. And that makes him happy. So the more you enable and carry the weight of everyone else's problems along with your own, the slower you're going to move, the more sickness and illness and discomfort and pain and suffering you'll feel. And that will make him truly happy. Now, the challenge is the person we're trying to help or that we're enabling, well, guess what? We're stunting their progress too. Because part of the journey here on earth is that we have to have challenges. We have to have struggles. We have to suffer. And it's a terrible word because we don't want to suffer. It doesn't feel good. And we don't want our people, especially our children, to suffer. But we don't grow and make progress if we don't have challenges and trials that might feel a little bit like suffering. In an, if I take all of my clients, all of my family's problems, all of my children's problems, I'm taking away opportunities for them to learn, to grow, and to turn to God for help. I'm taking away opportunities for them to connect with their God, who is the source of all healing, all hope, all answers, and all goodness. I believe it says somewhere in the scriptures, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't quote it exactly, but that we are so quick to forget our God and that part of having trials and struggles is that so that we will remember him. We will remember our God and we will turn to him. Because 
sometimes we don't turn to him when everything's going wonderful. So how do we help people, people we love, people we care about, without hurting us and without limiting them? And still having that big open healing heart that we want and need because it's who we are. It's part of our divine DNA. The first thing we want to do is when someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got this really, really big problem. First, are you listening? Did they even ask for your help? Sometimes people come to us because they just need someone to talk to or to vent to or to just to help them process it, but they didn't actually ask for help. So number one, did they ask for your help? If they didn't, don't extend anything until you hear everything. The next thing you should do is just hold a special space for them. You see, when they come to you and say, hey, I've got this really big problem, be present. Put your phone down. Look at them square in the eye. Open your heart. Hold a space for them so that you are present and hearing them. And then you're not jumping in yet just trying to help and fix and be a people pleaser. You're actually just saying, I'm here with an open heart. I'm listening and I'm going to gift you. What I'm going to give you, gift you right now is a space that's safe. A space where you can talk and share and be vulnerable. And that is what I'm going to gift you right here in this first moment. In that space, you have the opportunity to comfort those who need comfort, to mourn with those who mourn. And you can do that with an open heart and you don't have to fix anything in that moment. In the moment, that is also where you discover if you are an empowerer or an enabler. You see, in that moment, if you are there comforting, listening with an open heart, not fixing it, just holding a space, you are empowering yourself and you are giving the other person the opportunity to empower themselves. But if you jump in and start List, listing all the things that they could do, all the things we could brainstorm, all the things that, that we could do to fix it, change it, heal it, how you're going to help, how you're going to whatever. You just took away that sacred safe space for that person to be open and vulnerable. You took away an opportunity for them to continue through the process where they can empower themselves. That's the moment right there when somebody comes to you. Are you holding a space and allowing that space to organically grow and empower the two of you? Or did you just jump in and make it all about you and how you can fix it and how you'll solve it 
and how you now are enabling them and taking away their opportunity. Now, don't feel bad if you've done it. I've done it more than once, probably more than hundreds of times. So don't feel bad about it. Just say, oh my goodness, what can I do next time that would be better for me and better for my person? Well, let's keep walking through the steps and see if any ideas come to your mind. Let's go back and review so far. First of all, when someone comes to you, it's only your job to listen and hold a space, a safe space, a sacred space. Hold the space and open your heart so that if you need to comfort or mourn or grieve or cry, whatever it is, the space is open. Your heart is open. Listen for key words like, can you help me? Because if they didn't ask for your help, they may not need that. They may actually just need that safe space with a listening ear. They need your presence. They need to feel like they're not alone. So be present and gift them those gifts. In that moment, remember, you get to choose. Am I going to empower myself and empower this person? Or am I going to make it all about me and fill up my needs and feel good about myself as I try to help and fix it? Or am I going to empower myself by being quiet and allowing this person to have an opportunity to learn and grow, ultimately giving them the gift of empowerment? Once we've held this space and have listened carefully with an open heart, there might be an opportunity then to problem solve or brainstorm. Did I say fix it? No, it's a conversation that we can now open up. And the questions might go something like this. How can I help support you in this? How can I cheer you on? What do you think is the next right step? You see, questions like that are not saying I'm going to fix it or take your problem away. You're saying I'm here and I'm still present. What's your next step? How can I cheer you on? Or it might look like, I don't know the answer and it looks like you don't either. Maybe we could brainstorm some ideas. Again, not fixing it and not telling them what to do. Just allowing them to have a space to talk it out to look at different ideas or possibilities, to find another option, and to do it in that loving, safe space. That's a beautiful place where sometimes if we felt heard and validated and safe, a lot of the times we already know the answer or a new idea or thought will pop into our mind. And nobody had to fix or control anything. Nobody had to enable anyone and everyone gets an opportunity to learn and to grow. The last step is doing just exactly what we said, which is how can I support you? Now, sometimes the person might think if we say it exactly like that, that, oh, then fix my problem. Nope, that's an enabling pattern. We don't want to go there. We don't fix it. 
but we say, this is how I can support you. I can check in with you three times this week. I'll call you. I'll check in and make sure you're doing okay. Or we might say, hey, you know, I can't pay that very um, big car uh, repair bill, but here's what I can do. Here's how I can help you and support you. Here's how I can cheer you on. So if sometimes the person needs to stretch and figure out the answers themselves. And sometimes what they say they think they need and want may not be something we can provide. Or if it does, it's going to hurt us. Those are not the right answers. So if those situations come up, that's where you stop and say, you know what, I really cannot do that right now. But here's what I can do. Here's how I can support you. It might look like phone calls. It might be that I can loan you the money, but I can't gift it to you. It might mean that I'll help you find something to sell to earn the money or whatever the situation may be. You pick though how you are going to show up and be supportive. And the thing you're going to pick is something that will still keep you so that you're not drained and exhausted and depleted so that when true emergencies and situations come up, you have the strength and the energy and the resources to help that person. Now, sometimes we have to be the bad guy in somebody else's story. That was a quote someone shared with my daughter once. Sometimes we have to be the bad guy in someone else's story. The gentleman who shared that with my daughter was a policeman. Sometimes he looks like the bad guy as he's arresting someone or as he's taking children out of a dangerous home. It's okay to be the bad guy sometimes. Sometimes the most loving and caring thing we can do is to say no. That's hard when we have these big hearts that are loving and we want to help our people. But it is okay to be the bad guy because in their story, because the key word is it's their story. I like to think, and this is the way I handle it when I have people all week long coming to me with their problems. I like to think about it this way. I'm going to show up and listen and be present. I'll teach, advise, suggest, consult, mentor, whatever I can do, whatever they need or ask the best way that I can in that sacred space. I might offer the invitation for them to brainstorm, to look for additional options, and I'll listen presently. And I'll even say, I love that idea that you came with with. If that's the one you choose, this is how I can support you and help you. And at the end of it all, I remember that the Savior only lets us carry a load, only lets us go through a challenge as long as we need to, to learn the lessons that he needs us to learn. And the minute we've learned those lessons, the suffering stops because he takes that burden and then he carries it for us. Don't take away something that the Savior needs that person to carry, a life experience or an opportunity that person needs to go through. Don't take that away. Let the Savior take it 
when he knows it's the right time. In the meantime, I encourage you to only find the things that are going to empower and fuel you so when that person comes to you who needs that help, you are strong, you are empowered, you are filled with energy and love, and you can hold that space, and you can be that listening ear that they need and so that they can struggle and grow and turn to the Savior. As always, ladies, if you have stories about how you have moved out of those darker colored emotions of the rainbow, like anxiety, fear, enabled, feel stuck, something's holding you back, I want to hear your story. I hope you reach out and share it with me. In the meantime, I wish each of you an anxiety-free and a gratitude-filled day. Welcome to season two of the Anxiously Engaged podcast. I am your host, Rachel Curfew. But if we haven't met yet, I'm a wife, a mother, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a certified coach specializing in anxiety and helping individuals live their life even more anxiously engaged. You might be thinking, what does that mean? Being anxiously engaged is quite the opposite of being anxious. It's about stepping out of anxiety, out of your fears, and out of the shadows of your life, and moving carefully into the light where you get to really shine as you live your life filled with passion, excitement, and energy. Welcome to the show.